Hey guys, welcome to episode 125 of the JV Club. Boys of Summer Series continues. Listen, I know it's like back to school times and that kind of feels like the end of summer, but technically I think the beginning of fall is later in September. So I'm really utilizing the uh, factual fall start time as a a helpful guide for myself as I do have just a couple more boys of summer. Um, This one and then the one after this will be our final one for the summer. Uh, Summer, I should say. Um, And I'm so excited that Dave was able to do it. You know, he was traveling a lot this summer and uh, he was really someone that I wanted to have on the podcast forever. So um, I'm, I'm so happy that it worked out. He's just wonderful guys. He's just wonderful. That's all. Uh, shout out wise. I want to thank some other wonderful people. I want to thank on, um, Mike and Brian's, uh, Nerdist page, Sydney, Raha, Jilly Bean, Esteem, Carolyn, Meathor, Jeremiah, PJ, Andrew, Paula, and James for all your lovely comments. Uh, a major thanks to everybody who called out how awesome the Paul and Storm song was either on Twitter or on Facebook or emailed me, um, and ditto on all the great feedback about the Mike and Brian episode. I'm so glad you guys guys liked it you Cora fans out there I hope you enjoyed it and uh and then I want to thank Matthew for his wonderful email um Arlene uh for contacting me as well and then I just wanted to um quickly uh remind everybody that I will be at the LA Pod Fest uh the LA Podcast Festival when is that September 23rd uh listen I know that it's on uh Saturday I know that it is noon it was previously 4 p.m but I moved it so I could be a guest on someone else's podcast that same day so noon uh and I know that you can get a day pass uh or you can get a whole weekend pass you can visit lapodfest.com for more info on that and then I'm also super excited to be heading to the New York Comic Con for a few different things uh including the Thrilling Adventure Hour shows um I've been tweeting about that a little bit so uh check check that out if you're in the area and interested in coming and um and that's going to be it for for today uh catching up on some stuff but um hope you guys enjoy the episode and i will talk to you soon now entering nerdist.com about mickey i don't disagree with you um, uh, but that's not like that's not why i don't like disneyland yeah. and i don't dislike disneyland i just would never on purpose go i have a good friend who works there works at disney like like in movies now right, right. and she gets you know in passes and good deals and whatever and uh and she and her husband are always like you should come down with us and it's like it's it's, it crosses my mind, but I would just never make the drive yeah. and do it. I went down for gay days once, like uh-huh. 10 years ago. Okay. When it was just like when there were a million, That's you know, gay cute. dudes in red shirts. Yeah. Because you have to wear red shirts so you yeah. can identify each other. Oh, I um, know that. Yeah, it's a thing, apparently. Um, and I went, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. You know, it was cool. But I just, you know, uh, well, I, I like a Space Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's like the I like most. a Star Tours, if that's because even still that's open. What I think. I think that's that the stuff that you're describing sounds like maybe it connects more with maybe the stuff that you were enthusiastic about mm-hmm. when you were a kid. Is mm-hmm. that fair to say? Yeah. Like what did you I and was, what and what do you use now if not the sort of Disneyland of it all? Like mm-hmm. what do you feel connects you to that part of you? You know, it's funny because I was a really I was really into sci-fi as a kid, like as a young kid. 
obviously because of Star Wars and stuff like that. I didn't like Star Trek as much, but I loved Star Wars. And I was kind of into Doctor Who for a minute just because it was British and nobody my age knew about it. Mm-hmm. And it was on Channel 9 late on a Sunday night. And I was like, this How is just perfect for it? me. Did your parents watch it? I was just flipping around and yeah. I saw it and I was like, this is weird. And there's an old British guy in a long scarf and he's like being chased by robots. And this uh-huh. is up my alley. <laughs> and, uh, and I loved it. And, uh, and I would read like fantasy books and stuff like that. And uh, and then there was uh, after like maybe the tenth episode that I watched, there was a promo for a Doctor Who and Star Trek convention that was going on down at the Art Museum in St. Sure, Louis. Sure. And I was I think nine or ten, and I begged my parents. I was like, just please drop me off down there. I just want to be. I want to be with my people. And uh, and I went down, and it was like. It was such a bunch of weirdos and malcontents <laughs> and misfits and like my science teacher literally oh, really? was there. Oh, your science yeah, teacher. Yeah, yeah, and it was like people in Spock it. ears and stuff, and it was sure. just so over the top and weird and corny. Yeah, what that do you I was think like, you were expecting? Just a bunch of people dressed normally, but I talking think was, about how cool it was, or maybe yeah, yeah, or just like like a bunch of people like me, and, yeah. and we'd see each other and we'd just be like, hey, you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's be friends. We're all weirdos. Let's be weirdos together. Right. Which it probably it was, was, but it was yeah. an adult version of that. Yeah, and that can be weird and off putting. And this was in this would have been like eighty or eighty one or something. So like that does make nerd sense. culture this, was not cool this, yet. Is a small one. It's it's funny because the line between. Being like a child who kind of is more interested in meeting other kids uh-huh. versus what you were talking about before, which is like when you're a teenager, when mm-hmm. you hit that teen age, when it's much more interesting that the people you consider your peers are way older. Like yeah. that would like that would probably maybe may, and maybe not because it sounds like you just you know were aware of their weirdness, but right. It would be interesting to know if, like, as a, at a, at a slightly older age, if you would have been like, I can hang with this. Yeah, maybe. Or if it was just like, ooh, grown-ups like yeah. what I like? Gross. Gross, yeah. yeah. And they're weird grown-ups, too. Like, and they, yeah. they, I mean, and you know, whatever, weird, it's fine to be weird. But it, to me, it seemed like grown-ups who were trying really hard to be kids, yeah. and it just came off really weird. And I think also at the time, I was starting to have, like, the nascent desire to, like, fit in and be what, like, I'm the youngest of three boys, and my brother's are both really effortlessly like athletic and cool and, and all of that. And I was How much older are not. They? They're eight and ten years older. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, you're way like older. a mistake? Sort of. Yeah, I guess. Kind of. I mean that's a terrible No 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 unexpected no. a surprise. Super unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Um and in fact like super unexpected because my my folks didn't we're gonna go deep. They didn't think they could have kids. So they they adopted my oldest brother and then my middle brother and then that was gonna be that and then my mom just got pregnant. Isn't that what people say and then um the coming from purely anecdotal, like I've probably heard it three times and I've decided now that that's what people say. But I do feel like you hear a lot that people who have been told they can't have kids adopt mm-hmm. and then once that pressure is gone they yeah get pregnant yeah that's not uncommon. that's a thing yeah, yeah. it's I mean, apparently a thing we're talking eight to ten years later yeah so yeah, yeah. not yeah. like you you know yeah um yeah i don't know how it happened so and we're catholic so we'll never discuss how it happened <laughs> or like if there was a problem whose problem it was or what the problem was or anything right. like that it's downstairs and we're just not going to get into right, it right. um yeah so so i like i think also like at the same time as i was like starting to have interest in like sci-fi and pop culture and all that i was also starting to be infected with the desire to like be cool or whatever you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it was just when my like childhood interests in like in in fantasy and in sci-fi and in just you know weird kid things uh was sort of like peaking my desire to fit in was sort of starting to Mm -hmm. climb and it's like it was always a real toss-up and i think Mm -hmm. like i sort of put the weird shit aside 
in my teenage years in an attempt to fit in. So now, now I'm feeling, now that I'm older and I'm like in therapy and I'm, you know, and now, and now that we're living in a world where we can talk about this kind of stuff sure. and, and they're, you know, uh, it, now it's like, now I'll turn on a doctor who, which I haven't watched in a million years. And it really like, it connects with a part of me that I, that I really locked away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like absolutely. it awakens something, you know, and then there's a million other fucking sci-fi things that are corny and, and shitty and greedy and, and whatever that bum me out. But there's some like good pure stuff out there that really makes me feel happy and yeah. makes me feel like myself. Yeah. When I watch it, you know, it's so interesting. It's weird. God, it's so it, to have brothers who are that much older. It's almost like you were an only child. And a little I'm bit. Sure yeah. At some, yeah. At a some quadruple point, parent I mean, when family. Did they, yeah. When did they move out and stuff? Uh, they St. Louis, Missouri, St. Right? Louis, Missouri. My uh, yeah, I guess when I was eight, my oldest brother went off to college. And then when I was 10, my middle brother did. And they came, you know, they would be back at Christmas and summers. And then they moved back after college. No, they both went to grad school. Um, yeah, you know what? They moved like right when they were starting to move back is when I left for college mm-hmm. and I never went back. I mean, I go back for, you know, I go back to visit. I'm close with right. my family and stuff, but, um, but we never really, you know, we stopped being a, a family with like three siblings when I was eight. Yeah. You know, when, um, so when you were a teenager, did you have a kind of relationship with them, even though they weren't around mm-hmm. where you could sort of ask them for advice or anything like that? Or you're just kind of on your own? No. No, yeah, no, and it, no, and I still don't like. We're still. I mean, we're not. We we like each other and stuff, but I I don't like if I have something that I need to talk to somebody about. They are just not, and it's not their fault. They're just not on the list. Yeah, I think it also like you know, there's an age difference, and that's you know a thing. But then there's also like they're very competitive with each other, and mm-hmm. I think they're very competitive with me, and so like the Dukes are kind of always up a little bit, and mm-hmm. it's it's really like it's difficult to take. Th- to take a moment and take a deep breath and say like, I'm not going to worry about how I'm coming off or like where my position in the family is going to like how, how my position in the family is going to be affected by what I'm asking or what I need or whatever. And then asking for that. And also if I were to even say those words out loud, everyone in my family would never stop laughing at me because it's, you know what I mean? Cause we're not, cause we don't have that sort of warm and fuzzy kind of, we, I mean, we're warm and fuzzy with each other, but like any kind of analytical. like analytical, any kind of, yeah. Analytical or, or psychological speak or whatever just sort of makes everybody run for the hills, which is like, uh, it's a Catholic thing and a Midwestern thing and you know, whatever. Cool. Um, but I've never, yeah. I've never really, no, I haven't asked them for advice. And in fact, I went to one of them, they, they were not getting along for a little while and I wasn't supposed to know about it, but I could totally tell. And, uh, and so I went to one of them about it and just was like, Hey, I, I know what's going on. And I just want you to know that like, if I can help in any way, I would like to help. It's clear, you know, it's clear that there's something wrong. So let's, let's talk about it. And he was just like, don't come into my house making accusations. Oh, Good. Like, and it was just, yeah. the, the wall came up immediately and it was like, I don't, Okay this is weird. You can't even just acknowledge that something's wrong and accept yeah. help or, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, very strange. Wh- so when you, and when you say Catholic, you mean like Catholic, Catholic, like yeah. went to Matt, did you go to Catholic school? Oh, sure. Yeah. All the way college, through college. Catholics. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Voluntarily went to a Catholic college. Still trying to figure out what that was about. Well, yeah. did you feel like the education side of it was like interesting and dynamic? Yeah, and I the do. The class is small. And, I do. I and do. Also, it's like, if it's what you know. Yeah. And it's kind of working in some way. Mm-hmm. And some it's, you know, really break away from that. And some people are like, oh, this is kind of. Yeah, working. I think it was probably comfy there. Uh, my college was Jesuit, which is great. It's really, they're like the cool yeah, kind of progressive. Say great things about. They're great. Especially in an educational environment. They're really like, that's what they're, that's where they specialize. And they're, and they're, they're great. And I, and I actually like, it's um, be, because their whole thing is, is like looser and more progressive. And they're more about instilling doubt than, than about like, 
memorization and this is what you believe and this is who you are or whatever. They want you to question. That's good. Uh, I, I, my seventh to 12th grade, my high school, junior high and high school was run by monks who were very strict mm. and uh, obviously very strict and uh, you know, with the robes and the whole fucking bit. And they were, they were great and they, they made me love to read and write and, and whatever, but it was not, you know, it was not a, you know, it was not a place to question anything. Right. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Where, where were we? <laughs> Sorry, I got uh, lost. Uh, we're, we're, uh, there, I that's the, the, could be the theme song of the podcast is yeah. where were we? But because um, let me ask this question that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with you. Okay, <laughs> great. Is, I can't believe I'm, I, I need to ask questions when they pop into my head. Yeah. Do monks sh- all shave no. that? Okay, so no. that's like a, what is that? That is a, that is a specific order of monks and I don't know. Mine were Benedictine oh, okay. uh, and, and they didn't, but they did symbolize? just have the, I don't know. I don't know. I should know, but I don't know. I probably did know at some point in my life. Uh, these guys wore long black robes, and uh, and it takes forever to get like ordained as a monk. And when you're in the monastery, there is, I think, and this is probably totally wrong, but there is, let's just say it like it's a fact, there's a two-year period where you cannot speak. Oh, the, yeah, the vow of silence. Vow of silence for two whole years. So you go to mass every day, and you help out and all that, but like you don't speak. You can write, I guess. Have you been watching speak. The Leftovers? Uh, I watched the first one. So you know that there's like a weird thing mm-hmm. where that group yeah. chooses not to speak. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel... I didn't read feel... the books either, so I don't know. You what? I didn't... There's, you know, it's based on like what the graphic novel or a book. Is yeah, yeah, it was a book. Either. Um, I watched the first one and I liked it and I was like, this is probably something I would get into, but I don't think I'm emotionally ready mm. for it right now because it's very dark. It's pretty dark. So <laughs> I will probably binge it at some point. Yeah. Uh, I need there to be more uh, Justin Thoreau running in sweatpants. I think you will have a lot to look forward to. I feel like Great. that. I feel like that happens a lot. Is he wearing a, lo- a lot of mascara or? No, I think that's just his eyes. Reason? He it's really beautiful eyes. Looks he like is. He has, yeah, like someone's curling those eyelashes, though. I think. Oh sure, yeah, probably. I mean, they got to do something with them because they're so incredible. They're so long beautiful, and long and lush. <laughs> he is. He is something. Um, yeah, he doesn't. I guess he does. I think I. I think he did it more for me before this for really? some reason. Like back in the David Lynch days. Oh, um, check you out before maybe before Jennifer Aniston. To be okay. honest with you. All right. Because somehow that like mainstreamed him. Yeah, I him. guess so. Yeah. Which, by the way, none of this matters and is none of my business. But, yeah. Like in terms of personal preference and yeah. Uh, uh, in um, what was he in? Oh, he's fucking super sexy in uh, Wanderlust. Did you oh, see that? Yeah, yeah, David. Oh, he's so you know funny. I don't want to say that I haven't seen it because, like, all of my friends are in that. Yeah. It was so funny. It was so funny. Yeah. And it was one of those where it was like, yeah, a ton of friends of mine are in it also. And it yeah. was just like, what am I, what I need to, how do I just do, what if I just showed up? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of people would know me and stuff. Yeah. Like, maybe they would just, they'd find a way to use me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just in, in that world enough that yeah. I keep sort of thinking, like, maybe David will ask me to do, no. Yeah. Like, I'm not famous enough. Yeah. Um, I don't know him. I just I met him at a party. I'm not famous enough, and I'm not, or I'm, I'm in that weird in between. Yeah, this is a very self-serving conversation. No, no, no. That's exactly where I live too. Uh, It's the worst. I mean, it's okay. It's great, but it could be. It could be worse. It could be much worse. worse. But it could Um, be better. But it could be better. Now, listen. I gotta. Well, I. You know what? I was sitting here realizing as you were talking about um, going to Catholic school and stuff is Uh my own personal horror that I think that in the entire Boys of Summer series I haven't had anyone gay. Really? That's okay. And I guess I'm wondering how the catholicism fit into that um you know not well but but also like not terribly either yeah i i can't say that i had bad experiences and in fact like in in both the cases of the monks 
and the Jesuits, I had people like reach out because they they could tell they knew. You know, there were uh, one of the monks uh, at Priory, my, my old school, uh, when I was like a junior. I think knew because it was pretty obvious. Like I was. I had a close friend that I had like a big crush on who yeah. was so straight and like had you acted never on reciprocated. It? No, oh. no, well, kind of, but just like nothing, right. nothing with any emotion attached to it. Just sort of boy, you know, boys fooling around kind of thing. Like even to the points where guys would later say, you know, dude, I'm not gay. Yeah. None of them turned out to be none of them. Like there was a string of them <laughs> across St. Louis. Like I cut a swath through teenage Catholic St. Louis. Um, but there were a few, uh, but yeah, no, I, it was pretty like if anybody, any adult with like an adult's understanding of the world and of human sexuality and probably this monk, I think was probably gay himself, although he had taken a vow of chastity and, you know, he was just a, a chaste gay man. I don't know if he identified as such, but he might've been, but I, I think, you know, I think it was pretty clear what was going on. Uh, and, and he sort of sat me down and like, and and I don't remember how he did it because I've I've sort of repressed the memory because I remember it being really traumatic because I wasn't ready to talk about it. Oh, sure. But it was just something like I get the sense sometimes that you're different and if there's anything that you need to talk about and it was clear what he was talking about, but I was so full of like denial and 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 like I was so terrified of just the idea of being gay even though I it was plain as day that I was. Um, that I just was like, okay, thanks. And, and just, you know, ran out as quickly as I could. And then, and then just got to work repressing the memory like immediately. And, uh, but looking back at it now, it was like a really kind thing to do, but it was just to somebody who's not ready. It wasn't ready. So how did you have those conversations with yourself or non conversations with yourself when you were a kid? You know, it's very strange. And that's that. In fact, I'm starting a a podcast on Nerdist about this very thing with adult gay people talking about like how we got through these experiences because somehow that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like you have your show and there's the mental illness happy hour and there's terrified and there are all these great podcasts where people do it, but there's never been like a gay one. And we have a lot of, I think, shared experiences and we have a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that we've done that we don't, there's nobody's talking about it I'm anywhere. I'm so which is very glad strange. that you're doing that. I'm really excited. It feels like it's going to dovetail perfectly. Like if you guys, people who listen to this podcast, I feel like we'll totally jump on board for that. Because, awesome. I hope so. I mean, I feel like I've also had people who didn't necessarily want to talk much about that part of it yeah. like that they're sort of like listen i'm gay people know it or i'm not really out but yeah. people kind of know it but i don't want to talk about that side of things yeah um but i'm i'm i, I love talk i mean that's, Me too. i'll talk about it whatever as everyone knows who listens to this and so i think that it is really especially since i have so many younger listeners who are kind of making their way in yeah it's such a different landscape now than it was then totally. but but Whatever still, that looks like here, like if somebody is, I mean, I have some wonderful transitioning teens uh-huh. who, you know, get so much out of like the people I've had who either have that in their lives or are that. Yeah. Um, so anything like that, I think is just yeah. so informative and helpful to know that we I, all have things that were sort of like, I didn't really know how to talk about this. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hope so. And it's like, it, although it's easier now, although we're talking about it more now, I feel like it's, it's all, it's like. It's really easy, I think, if, oh, not really easy, but it's easier if you're a gay teenager to like come out or to talk about it or whatever. But my worry is that you then get put into a different box. Mm. Then you're a gay teen, and that means you're like this, and you like these things, and you dress like this person, and whatever. And it's like, that's not really helpful either. That's yeah. just like, it's, that kind of bums me out also. Like, we, we, you know, we all need to make our own individual ways. And I feel like increasingly we're just sort of, falling into categories mm-hmm. now i don't know it's a strange thing and it's like and and you were saying like 
there are gay people who are out who don't want to talk about it. And I, I'm super fascinated by uh, Todd Glass right now. Sure. Because I love him. I have been Me a fan too. of his forever. Uh, I love that he came out and I love that he talks about it a little bit now, but it's like, I see so much of myself when I was coming out in him, the way that he'll like never say the word gay about himself. Like still. Interesting. And, and it's like, and I'm not, it's not like I'm not judging or whatever, yeah. but it's cause I, like I say, I've been through it, but it's like to watch somebody to watch like a fully developed human being go through that in real time is really fascinating. It sure is. You know? Yeah. And he's like, cause you don't want it to be, because you don't want it to then define you in exactly. that way. Right? right. That it is sort of like, Ugh, this is the worst comparison ever. But if someone has an illness, which is like the it, worst, I'm getting it. the worst it's comparison okay. no. because that's not how I feel. No. Obviously, I know. everybody knows that. It's fine. But anything like that where it's a new piece of information mm-hmm. and you understand that it's a big, interesting deal to people that they heretofore have not known about it. Right. And your concern is, please don't only want to hear or talk about this. Yes. Please don't think of me as the gay guy who finally came yes. out. I'm still yeah. me. I'm still the, I can still do comedy that's not about that. Uh-huh. You know, and, and that whole thing. Yeah. And it it's, is, it's tricky. It is. And I totally understand it because I've been through it myself. When like did I you said, come out? I was pretty young. Um, not like Todd Glass. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty young. I fucking dealt you know, with it. We're kind of doing what we said we were. Uh, I was pretty young. Like I, I started, you know, I started to know, uh, you know, when I was a little kid. Like I could tell when I was young, young. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I explained it away. However, you know, like I don't know how exactly I did. Um, and you know, that's what therapy is for and stuff, I guess. But like you. Did you feel like there were voices actually saying, like, literal voices sort of in your life or in the media that were like, gays weird or gays not normal? Every every voice. Every voice. Yeah. Every voice. Um, Yeah. I I think that I maybe thought that it was a phase or something or just like something that I would outgrow. And so it was fun to think about it or whatever, to fantasize. But eventually I would grow up and then I would be straight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime, like, I would, you know, and not to get, like, super graphic, but I would, like, you know, like, fantasize and stuff. And yeah, then yeah. when I was finished, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. immediate like, the wave of Catholic guilt that would wash over oh me would just be, like, debilitating. Yeah. And I, I would be, I would, like, pray that, you know, someday I would be straight or whatever. Like, it's it's so silly to, yeah. like, to look back and think it, it's, it's, it's completely bananas that the, the church is still like it hasn't moved an inch. It doesn't seem like it's ever going to, it, it's still putting young people through that kind of like, you know, fucking spin cycle. And it's, 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 it's very fucked up. But I, I, I started to tell people in high school, um, because it was pretty obvious that it was here to stay. And, uh, and then when I went off to college, I kind of, did you know other people? Like, did you have other yes. friends? Cause that's gotta yeah. help. It did. Put it through a slightly different lens than if you just feel totally isolated. It's like, there was, uh, yeah, like a, a good friend of mine in my high school was gay also. In fact, there were a few from our class, but there was only one that I talked to about it. And uh, and luckily, like, we never, we were never an item. We never fooled around. Like, there was never anything physical going on. It was just, like, we were good friends to each other through high school. And, like, we would go to the same parties and, like... That we would give each other kind of the high sign and then go and sit in one of our cars and smoke cigarettes and talk about who we had crushes on and whatever. That was super helpful. It was incredibly like if I didn't have that like val- pressure valve or whatever, sure. I would just be fucked forever. Sure. Um, 
And then when I went off to college, I didn't have it. And it was horrible because I, I was at a very small, really conservative school. And, and yet like, you did choose to go there. That Isn't I that did choose to go. Yeah. And I think, I think again, now, like looking back, I think that it was like I walked on campus and everyone was so like – like well-dressed and happy and like freshly scrubbed and nice short hair and whatever. And it was like, I think I felt like this is who I'm supposed to be. So I'm just going to go here and, and, and I'll, it'll just happen for me. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and so I went and like literally nobody was, there were no out of the closet gay people there at Oof. all. Ugh. Uh, until I like, you know, I, I, I made a point of coming out to like more than just a couple of people around like my junior year, I guess. And then it's word spread fast. And then I was sort of, I was the one out gay person on campus. So strangers would come up and be like, I think my little brother's gay. I don't know what I should do about that. And like that kind of thing. To be an accidental emissary. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was the ambassador. Yeah, exactly. Represent Uh, everyone. Yeah. 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 Uh, It was really, really weird. Did you date in high school and college at all? Kind Kind of. Uh, no, not in high school. Uh, in college, there what like by my senior year, they started a support group for uh, for gay and lesbian people, as though we did have an illness. I know, uh, right? Yeah, like not a not a you know not like a, an advocacy group, and not whatever. It was a support group, <laughs> and uh, and there was I remember there being a little blurb about it, um, and I've, t- I've told this story before, and I'll. I'll Go through it quickly. I, I wrote like an anonymous letter to our school newspaper just about the fact that there's like, there's a gay person on the campus and it's me. And I, I was on the crew team at the time. I was like, I even play sports. You know what I mean? Like right. just to blow people's minds But did minds you already, but did everyone know it was you? Uh, if you were already the, people, the only I was person? Not, this was right when I was about to Oh, okay, okay. So like, no, nobody did. Gotcha. But it was, it was a good way to like, to test the waters for coming out. Mm-hmm. And like, because I was definitely listening to conversations about it like the whole week afterwards when it was after it had been printed sure. and there were definitely conversations did about you it. pretend like you too didn't know who it was oh yeah you to did? a few people oh yeah absolutely to a few people or i did That's the thing of the like acting comes hey, in did, handy. absolutely thank god <laughs> thank god those meisner exercises really <laughs> fucking took it home uh-huh. um but yeah no i would definitely i would initiate conversations about it and stuff and the uh the one thing that i wasn't prepared for was how many people thought it was a joke Oh, wow. A lot of people thought... They just thought it was a prank. They thought it was a prank. Yeah. Wow. That there would be one gay person on like a campus of 3,000 people. And this was co-ed? Or was all... Co-ed, yeah. And your high school was co-ed? High school was all boys. Got it, got it, That was a fucking emotional and physical minefield for me. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, looking back, it is kind of crazy to like... to. And that's, and, and that's such, what I, and I've said this a million times on the podcast, but that period of time when your hormones are just going apeshit, you are a fucking forget mess. Forget it. You're a mess. You're it like, almost your been, moods are all over in the place. In a weird way, you can imagine that it would be better for you to be in a, in a co-ed school because yes. at least there's just like a diversity of mm-hmm. like hormones and like yeah. there's estrogen and there's girlfriends you could have mm-hmm. talked to. I don't know, you know? And also like other people would have crazy crushes on people that they're surrounded by all day long sure, <laughs> you know what i yeah. mean so you could at least even if you didn't talk about it you would be like on the same sort of wavelength yeah you know? um but yeah and, it, and it's strange and that's why i want to do the podcast that i'm starting is that like you it's you build like mazes for yourself mm-hmm. when you start to like first experience desire and love um because you're like you feel it and then you're angry at yourself for feeling it. And then you tell yourself you don't feel it. And then you tell yourself that none of it's going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, and it's all like, it, none of it's at the conscious level. You know what I mean? It's all just stuff that you're like, 
your instinct makes you do. And it's like, and then you spend the rest of your life, like after you're out of the closet and stuff, like after you sort of dealt with the sexual desire part and the, and the love part, you, you still like, you're still caught in that maze. You still built this fucking thing out of stone in your head. And it's like, it's really hard to get out. It's really hard to like express yourself emotionally in a direct way because you've spent your formative years like making detours around all that stuff. Does that make any sense at all? Perfect sense. Okay. And I think that it's an analogy that works with so many other things that we do because sure so much of who we are is dictated by what the norm is that's being reflected back at us. And yeah. when we have those, even still, even with like the preponderance of like and the communities that exist on the internet, it's made such a difference, I think, again, yeah. to your point with younger people, but on a very base level, I, st- I still think that we are conditioned to whatever behavior we feel ourselves having, we have to find a way to like navigate it yes. into what feels normal. Yeah. And, and to what makes us feel less needy or uh-huh. appear less needy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so that can be almost any, you know, it's like the gut feeling that you have about, you know, the person that you're dating, whether it's your straight, gay, uh-huh. bisexual, whatever, sometimes we ignore those or this, yeah. the feeling that you have about, you know, this thing you're doing that you don't, know is right for you but you sort of tell yourself it is anyway like that can be anything it doesn't even have to be your sexuality yeah that's exactly right and for sure nowadays you know only so recently has it become okay to like identify as being a gender that you weren't born as right and that's still happening all the time Mm -hmm. i know is like people who are like i knew something was like my cousin, Julian, if, if for those of you guys who have listened to that episode, if you haven't, because you don't know who that is, it's my cousin. He's trans. He's female to male. Yeah. Um, it's an extraordinary story. And it is very much that. It's very much, I think I that's probably the most similar conversation I've had with someone has been talking to him and saying, well, how did you, like, could you identify what this was? Yeah. And he was like, not really, because nobody did it. Yeah. You I'm know? fascinated by those people. I mean, it's... T- that sounds so a, dismissive, those people. Those people. No, but, I... But, 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 it's, but, uh, but, but yeah. truly, I mean, because you are on your own. You are totally on your own. Less so now, but less still, so now. like, you're very, you're very much on but your own. But less so now, only within, like, the last five years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, you know... I You know, on, on another level, I'm a little bit jealous because there is no, like, commodification around it yet. Mm. Like, it's not... Like trans people aren't marketed to the way gay people are. So it's not like, I think there are a lot of fucking people who like come out and then, like I said before, like put on the uniform and move to the neighborhood and, you know, and I only drink this and I only eat this and this is the way my body looks and whatever. And they like, it's, you know, and it's shocking to me that people go through the horrible process of coming out and then do, and then like join a team. You know what I mean? That really is interesting. You're right. It is a sort of like, it's tough when there are certain things that, feel similar and i'm sure this happened for you because you yeah because you don't like if if somebody if there's a period of time in which it like the most appropriate quote unquote socially appropriate gay male to be becomes more effeminate and Uh more you know whatever that is right and then to not be that somehow is like well but yeah, but I'm not. Yeah, but then and then there's the other. Then there's like the Silver Lake sort of Echo Park kind. That's like everybody's got a beard and everybody's got a paunch and everybody right. says woof and everybody like <laughs> listens to this kind of music and it's like it's just another uniform. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's very strange and it, and it's 
um, it's a bummer. It, it's it seems like it's it's becoming like tribal now. It's very uh, interesting. Where for it's transgender sure people, about. it's not like you kind of you do like it's such a process of like self actualization that you, you know, I guess there are places for you to hang out, but there's no like there's no right or wrong. It seems like you go on your own path. Yeah, but for I, gay but people, I wish it's, Julian it's very were here because I still think that. I mean, I understand everything that you're saying. I still think that there is, I still feel like there is beginnings of that kind of pressure or yeah. that there is this sense of, um, I fucking hope not what you're sh- where, because who are you going to hang out? You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. so Julian was part of a lesbian. Now we're just talking about a third party, but Julian was part of sort of a lesbian community, mm-hmm. you know, um, a, a gay and lesbian community before he came out. Um, and started transitioning and he really relates to and is mistaken for a gay man a lot because he is he fits into this weird random stereotype of being this like incredibly handsome incredibly built chiseled man who's kind of has an effeminate voice but it's very low but like it's so funny because that's so he so one of the things that he does and i actually really want to i would love to make a documentary and i'm hoping to actually somehow do that and find the time and the funding yeah but um but he does a lot of outreach with younger people and stuff and so he'll do like a a talk and he'll talk about people stereotyping and the fact that like it's hard we all judge we all try to like understand and put into templates and we don't necessarily mean to be harmful about it but that he when he has talked to people for a while um, he'll be like, okay, so now what are your assumptions? What are your assumptions about me? Yeah. And everyone, everyone to the letter assumes he's a gay man, right. but no one ever assumes that he's trans. Yeah. And so it's just interesting to see like, but that's what we try. We do try to understand things. Yeah. But unfortunately that like trips further and further into kind of like, well, is this yeah. healthy? Is this harmful? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that's necessarily har- harmful. Well, just in the sense that it be, does become like once you once you, when you're trying to understand someone and you put a certain lens on it, that uh-huh. is one of the things that can create that tribalism, right? Which can then create a feeling of exclusion from someone right. who doesn't necessarily feel like they fit into that yeah hole, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Ah, uh, yeah, da, 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 da. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think you know. I think it is partially that, but I but I think it's mostly I think it's mostly just sort of laziness and marketing. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. Like I think once once like a group becomes a thing that can be marketed to or sold products to, uh then it kind of freezes that way for a little mm-hmm. while, you know? It's it's like if you if you ever go to the Pride Festival or whatever, it's like, you know, it, it's every like, you know, we're you know, you're fabulous and so is our new uh, you know, sugar-free soda or whatever. Oh, no. And it's all or like whatever like every year there's a musical movie that comes out. And so then it's like there's posters for that everywhere and they hand out fans and whatever. And it's it's like you know, sometimes you're right on the money. Like sometimes it's, you know, there's definitely people who like respond to that kind of stuff, but then there's a lot of people who don't. And it's I I mean none of it's bad really. It just sort of creates a, you know, a new sort of like a new standard and new ideal to fall well, short. And I think what's, yeah. And I think what's interesting about what you're saying and it actually, um, leads me to my next question is that this sort of like focus on the surface of something, right? Yeah. The focus on the surface and on the outside. And that makes me also want to ask for you, like, because you didn't really get a chance to have real love or real relationship kind of stuff mm-hmm. until a little bit later than some folks, not to say that, 
you know, we got it all figured out when we're teenagers. That's not true. No. But how did you, when you first like really fell in love with someone, how old were you? And how did you navigate that kind of new territory? Yeah, badly. Really badly. <laughs> like really badly. Uh, I was in college and it was, uh, and I got off on a tangent, but it was in that support group. Um which started off just being me and like three female soccer players or whatever. Adorable. Of course. And and we couldn't talk to each other outside of the room. Like that was the rule. Yeah. Because then it would be like, you know, what if what if we, you know, are talking somewhere and people are like, how do you know each other? Right. Then it puts us in a terrible position and it violates our, you know, our confidentiality and whatever. It was really restrictive and, and crazy. And and by that time, this was my senior year, and I was like, I was out to enough people and probably out to a lot more people than I thought. Um, and I was like, I was ready to stop, you know, worrying about it and stop being a victim about it. And like, did your parents know? Uh, yeah. Just before my senior year, I okay. came out to my parents, which How was they, awful. I guess that's a t- say. Oh, yeah. Right. Let's go to that right okay. after you finish. Okay. This part. Sure. We can. Uh, and it wasn't that bad, but it wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's never good. Um, and so anyway, uh, I was in that for a while and it was very strange. And like, and I would say hello to the to the other women when I would see them on campus, and I would get in trouble for it, like literally. Um, but I just couldn't not, and it was it just seemed very weird to me. But anyway, finally there was a, a a sophomore boy who wanted to join the group, and you had to go through like, you know, like not an audition, but like you had to go through kind of an interview with the chaplain's office and whatever to make sure that you were serious and that you weren't going to cause us violence or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they were worried about that, which I think they didn't need to worry about that. Um, but there was, there was a kid who had been through the interview process but was sort of nervous about going to the meeting. And they were like, would you mind having coffee with him? And I was like, absolutely. And, uh, and they were like, be careful. He's very handsome. And I was like, <laughs> uh-oh. And, uh, and so – Amazing. Yeah. So we oh. went and we met for coffee. And I was like, listen, you know, it's, you should come. It's going to be fine. It'll be great and whatever. And he was very handsome <laughs> and uh and like we had a nice little chat and whatever and then we bumped into each other on campus and i was having a party that night and i was like why don't you come to my party and so we did and we talked and talked and then everybody left and it was just us two and i was like i love you you know what i mean like i had known him for nine hours but i was like i love you you're the love of my life i love you oh, that's so I love great you. And, uh, and he was like i love you too um and we were like because and this is the analogy that i use like we were both like bottles of soda water that had just been agitated sure. and shook the fuck up for like 20 years or 22 years That's or whatever so it was. So then it's like and, – and I, I use that as an example because somebody else used that as an example a long time ago, like a, a gay person who I met in my early days in New York. And he said his advice for young people is like take the top off slowly. Take it off slowly because like, cause you're a mess inside and you might not know how much of a mess you are inside. Yeah. Take the top off slowly because it's if you rip advice. it off – it's going to fucking get everywhere. And that's what I for sure did was rip it off. So, um, and I, yeah. So we had like a month where we were just totally in this like infatuation bubble and, uh, and, and it was not sustainable obviously. And then it was also weird for him because it's this like, you know, sophomore and this senior who like a lot of people are starting to know is gay or suddenly hanging around all the time at a very small school where the grapevine is like, very active and well lubricated and whatever. Uh (laughs) So suddenly I think he like pulled his head out and was like, Oh shit. A lot of people know I'm gay now, you know? And, uh, and he got scared and, and which I totally understand because I've been through it. And, uh, and I think he realized that he was dating a crazy person (laughs) because he was, uh, (laughs) and he very wisely broke up with me. And it was like, it was, it was, you know, obviously super traumatic and heartbreaking and all that as breakups always are. But it was like, it, it was, it, 
it made me feel like I had, because I should have just been this kid's like ally. You know what I mean? I should have like, I mean, I have needs and whatever, but like I should have put those aside, I feel like, and just I been know, a, been a helper. Age, who and, but then, I, you know, yeah. of course I forgive myself for it, but yeah. I just, but I didn't for a long time. Like for years I held on to a, a lot of guilt about like when this kid needed help, like saddling him with all my emotional needs and like, you know, a relationship and whatever. Um, and I just, it made me feel awful. It made me feel just really like I looked at it and felt just like I had failed miserably, you know? So my, my first experience with like loving somebody who could plausibly love me back in the same way was not great. Uh-huh. And it took me a while to get over it. And it's not, it's not this guy's fault at all. Sure. Like it, it was just, it was me and it was the situation. It was the whole thing. Um, and it was, you know, and it was just because like I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been honest with myself about what I needed as a human being, you know, like the kind of love that I was looking for and, and, you know, wanted to give and, and whatever. I can't, I mean, I really feel like it t- completely makes sense. And you know, it's interesting because the thing that it reminded me of, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but Please, it reminded me of, tangent, of, man. Uh, of, uh, of Mormon missionaries, you know, when they come back from their missions, yeah. they've been, whether or not you date in high school as a Mormon, if you're, you know, rigorously following that, my mom, I don't know if we talked about this, but yeah. like these guys know my, my mom's side of the family's Mormon. I had to oh, go to wow. church while I was in high school. And I have a friend who, um, I was very, very close to and kind of tried to date in high school, even though I was like a bad kid and he was kind of a good kid. You're a bad kid? Um, yeah, I was definitely a bad kid. Well, we talk about that offline. Oh, these people are probably so tired of hearing about it. But, oh, I want to hear one thing. Uh, tell me one, tell oh, me one but thing. I mean, like, he, for to use him as an example, he was a virgin. Uh, sure. He was very, he has an incredible sense of humor. Like, the, mm-hmm. one of the funniest people I've ever known. And so we were sort of best friends. Mm-hmm. We didn't go to the same school. We went to the same church. Uh-huh. And um, he was the only reason I agreed to go to church when I was a teenager. Because I was like... I mean, I had to quote unquote had to go, yeah. but I was a bad enough kid with my mom that I could have been like, fuck you. I'm not going. Right. But I agreed to go because I knew he would be there and I would just laugh the entire time. We were in the same class. Yeah. We in Sunday school would class and we would sit at it. We would laugh at it. And then we would just laugh about other stuff. Like we mm. would sit, they would, our parents let us sit together in sacrament meeting, which was like mass. And we would just doodle together and write, write past notes back to each other back and yeah. forth on the program of the, cause there's, you know, a yeah. program. And so and I loved him and so he would come over and my mom my mom loved him because he was, was a good kid right and um, and uh, and so but at this so I and so I had feelings for him mm-hmm. but I was also like having sex and mm-hmm. taking acid and mm-hmm. you know doing all these like bad girl things staying out all night and right. lying and all this and um, and so it was like never really a fit and then he went on a mission for two years um, you know, sophomore, it's like sophomore, junior year of college. Uh-huh. And he came back and we hadn't seen each other. And this poor guy, I mean, we're still close and I love his wife and I know his kid. I mean, they yeah. we, were all, we actually, I still see them sometimes and stuff, but, um, he came back and was that same bottle ready to yeah. explode. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm sure. he'd been, he was still a virgin. I can't believe I'm talking. This is totally none of anyone's business. I apologize. But, I'm not naming him by name, but yeah, um, but still, but I mean, this happens you know. to everybody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you're, uh, you go away, you serve your mission, assume you're lucky enough to be straight in terms of lucky. If you believe in the Mormon church, yeah. you're not supposed to be gay either. And then you come back and uh, I mean, you get married right away because you really want to have sex. Yeah. But bless yeah. their hearts. Many people make that work. They, uh-huh. they, I've talked about it on the podcast before. They just simplify their lives. It's like, I want to I wanna have sex. 
Uh, I want to uh-huh. start my family. I want to do everything I'm supposed to do in the church. I meet this girl. I'm engaged to her within six months after right. getting back from my mission. Right. She's the one. And then we We're start imprinted. raising a family. Yeah. And but you know, if you're if you believe that deeply enough, there is something that I'm envious about that is sort of that like, listen, I made my decision. I'm mm-hmm. going to be with this person for eternity. So I can't get out of this. I have to make it great or mm-hmm. we need to communicate or whatever that's going to yeah. look like is to feel like we we're, have the burden of so many options yeah. now that to sort of have that set aside. I couldn't do it, it's, but yeah, like I look at it and I'm like, good for you it. guys. I admire it. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a good friend of mine dated a, a Mormon woman for a long time. He himself was not Mormon. And uh, anytime he would go home, uh, with her to see the family, um, it like the one vice that everybody gives themselves, and it's not just her family, but just everyone around them is candy. Oh, for sure. So like a ton of people get super fat because it's just like you can't drink, sure. you can't, you know, you, there's no caffeine, whatever. And and it's you know, I mean, maybe Mormon people have crazy wild sex lives or whatever, but they probably don't because they did sort You're of not supposed to. Yeah, I mean, you wear you wear garments, right? Oh God, that's right. I forgot garments. about the garments. Good lord. Yeah. yeah so you have a fucking big thing of starburst or something <laughs> you know, know what i mean listen i grew up around good. that i that's why i have to like i had to really like make peace and move past my sweet tooth because mm-hmm. that is something that i was completely surrounded by as a young yeah. person no coffee no alcohol no cigarettes no nothing i mean on that side and right. of course i was doing all of that but right. um but on a very like fundamental level when you're a child yeah. you know how are you with your folks now uh, I'm, I, I have a great relationship with both. Now my parents are divorced and my dad's an atheist. So that was okay. one of the reasons they divorced. Uh, it was, gotcha. And that, that brings the question up for me. Like, I know that you had get Catholic guilt, guilt socially, mm-hmm. but did you believe the Catholic church to be true for any length of time? Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and it's, I continued to go to mass all the way through college just because it was kind of a social event, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then and into my time in New York, I would go like maybe not every week, but I would go sometimes. And it really wasn't until I moved out here when I was like 30 that I was like, I don't think I'd do this anymore. And I, I never, I never really made a decision about like about God or whatever. Um, I did know, and not just because of my sexuality, but there were so many reasons why I like I, the veil was kind of lifted off my eyes with the, with the Catholic church. Um, and, and it's, uh, I can't see myself ever really being active in a Catholic church again. Um, but I'm not, but I'm still kind of looking for a church, you know, for like some place to go and just like have that quiet meditative time and, and whatever. And like, I, I miss the, the ritual of like, you know, an hour on Sunday mm-hmm. or Saturday evening or whatever. Um, but no, but do I believe like, I don't, I don't think I believe like official church doctrine about much of anything, but there is like a cultural thing where that I, that I think held on to me for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's probably still somewhere in me mm-hmm. where it's like, if I had just learned to control myself a little bit more then we wouldn't be having this conversation. That's so interesting. You know what I, I mean? Cause I, I think I had that moment recently where I was listening to an old This American Life mm-hmm. and they were singing a, a Mormon hymn and they let in and, and went out on a Mormon hymn. And I never, you never hear Mormon hymns ever. It's not like hearing amazing grace. Right. They're very Mormon. And I, when I heard it, everything in my body, like I knew every lyric, sure. everything in my body was just like, Whoa, like this feels like I feel emotional about this uh-huh. in a, in a, like a loving way, even though, it's like seeing Goonies for the first time as uh-huh. an adult. Like if I were listening to this as an adult, I would be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. 
it's so strange to to have the, all of that inside of yeah. you well, and to then to have during, this mental you know switch over that happens yeah. where you're like oh that's doesn't mean yeah. that but it still kind of does all gets at you when you're at you're most like a sponge yeah you know so it just sort of becomes a part of you mm. but, but you know what i don't like i don't know like certainly in my family it wasn't i i don't know that any of us could tell you a whole lot about like actual catholic stuff you it's know like more of a cultural social or like, sort of yeah or like the Bible, like, I don't even know that there's a Bible in my parents' house. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there is somewhere, but I know that they've never, like, picked it up on their own and read it. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, it is just about, you know, going to church and, and like, not eating meat on Fridays and all that kind of stuff. Like, there, there's all kinds of, like, cultural mm-hmm. stuff, but doctrinal stuff is not really, like, that's never been a big part of my life. But, but, it, but the, that whole goofy Catholic thing of like, you're supposed to be so much better than you are. Mm. You know, you're just like, you're constantly trying to meet a standard that is not. And, and it's, it, we can openly, openly acknowledge the fact that it's unattainable, but that doesn't mean that you ever, and it's fine to want to like attain things that are unattainable, well, that's the difference, but it's right? not it's okay. Like the beautiful part of it where you're forgiving and loving yes. and you encourage yourself versus the, you should strive for this because you were born in sin. You're, you're born in sin. in sin. And, yeah. you're, and so no you're matter what you fail. do on yeah. this earth, you're still never going to be enough. Right. And like, you know, any, any sexual feeling that you have, any, any feeling of like anger or pride or whatever that you have is like those, those things are bad and you should overcome them. Yeah. You know? And if you, if you express, you know, I go home now and, uh, uh, to St. Louis and I'm, I, I have my 25th, uh, high school reunion next month that I may or may not go to. I'm still pretty close with a lot. I went to a very small school and I'm pretty close with a lot of the guys from my class and it would be nice to see them. But, but there are a few who have stayed in St. Louis and who have remained very Catholic and I've watched them over the years. Like I've watched their shoulders like get like tighter and tighter and I've watched them get like more and more uptight. And, uh, and it's just, it's, like there's a price to be paid, I think, for never questioning and for never stepping outside of it and t- trying to take a look at it. Um, there, there are a couple of people who are very smart and who I, who I really love a lot, who I think are are making themselves crazy because they're mm. just they are staying in the church and it's like it's just not healthy. Yeah, it's not healthy. And when you came out to your parents, did they? Did you? W- was there a conversation that was like, could you try not being? Oh, gay? absolutely. Like that that, sort that of cliche? was the conversation. Not with my dad. My dad was. Were they surprised or had cool. they? Were they? They sort of like we were, maybe which or... I don't understand how they were surprised. I don't. Because did you even pretend to date girls in high school? Oh, absolutely. You yeah. did. I, oh yeah. God, I can't believe we didn't stuff. even get into that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, we definitely. I definitely had girlfriends. <clears throat> um, like you know, sex never got into it. My first, my first girlfriend. Yeah, my first girlfriend is is a lesbian, mm-hmm. uh, and she's fucking great. And we, you know, we would like smooch and stuff, but it never got like super physical. I, I had a fairly. Did serious it feel girlfriend. like? Did you have? Did you? Because sometimes, if you're, especially when you're that age, like even just to be kissing anyone. Mm-hmm. That can almost make it more confusing because if you have some feelings, mm-hmm. it feels good. You know yeah. what I mean? It feels good enough. It's mm-hmm. not like it may not be exactly yeah. your thing, but it's like yeah. we've all probably made out with someone that maybe we weren't crazy nuts about mm-hmm. in the sexual way, but like it doesn't mean that it's like the worst thing. No, it's still great. Yeah, it yeah. makes your body feel good. And uh, and it gives you just enough evidence that maybe you're straight, you know? So yeah, of course, it's super confusing. It's very confusing. Um, and I had like a kind of a semi-serious girlfriend my senior year in high school. Uh, and just before I left for college and, uh, and you know, I thought she was great 
and I knew that she thought I was great. But I, I think I was sort of more play acting at a relationship than having a relationship. You know, it was yeah. just sort of like a friend that I would, you know, make out with and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, and it's not that I was like I was a pretty, I, I was a kind of a stereotypical gay kid as a kid because I was just really into pop culture and like musicals and I didn't like sports and all that, all that kind of stuff. If you were, if you were looking for those signs, you would have seen them in me as a kid, but I don't think my family was. Um, you said that you just, you just glossed over that you loved musicals, but oh, I, but yeah. uh, Annie um, fucking blew my mind. Annie. Yeah. That's oh, the best. Oh, I just saw the movie, rewatched but... part of it. Um, oh, you should see the movie. Really? And the reason you should see the movie is to be ready for the Kavanjane Wallace version that's coming <laughs> yeah, out later in the just year. Get yourself prepped Great. for that ASAP. Mm-hmm. No, uh, this is not the first time Andy's been discussed on the podcast, but sure. if you. Because you're so funny and you're oh, so thanks. great and talented, and you have not so great much today. I listen. This is not what the. I mean, listen. <laughs> if some funny creeps in, that's all for the best. But um, I'm pointing at my own television. Uh, yeah. That's how literal I am. Um, but Carol Burnett is so good that you should watch it for her great i don't care if you have like you only watch it when you hear her voice Mm -hmm. but um she is she should have won an oscar for that like she should not she not she was not nominated but she should have a won an oscar for that wow got a special Um, oscar just for that i can't i cannot wait for you i need you to report back to me i need you to report back um okay so you love music you love pop culture you didn't like sports yeah we know that you were uh, pushing down your uh latent love of sci-fi uh-huh yeah um yeah, yeah. what kind of bands were you listening to uh the I, like my first favorite band was elo because they were kind of you know they were british and they were you know they had spaceships on their album covers mm-hmm. and, whatever, and it was like <laughs> this is for me and there, and there was like they were orchestral and you know it was i really loved them i loved them and i loved hollow notes but then when and this is where my older brothers become incredibly useful to me because they went off the, the first one i guess went off to college in 1979 yeah, and uh, and came back that Christmas with like Clash records and like and stuff like that. Like st- like college radio was just starting to happen around that time, and uh, and and he came back with just these incredible records that like that's where all of my like misfit energy went to. That's where all my you know Doctor Who enthusiasm went to sure. was towards this music because like again nobody my age knew about it. It was all kind of weird. I didn't understand it. Like their haircuts freaked me out a little bit, and I just was like, <laughs> "This is it." And so for those years, for like seventy nine to eighty five or whatever, I just you know I relied on my brothers because they would come back with all these records or like mixtapes that they made for parties and stuff, and sure. that was my fucking music. And it was like, and it kind of dovetailed with like with new wave and with the Duran Duran British invasion and MTV and, and, uh, and all of those things where things got really visual and really exciting and really weird. And, and, uh, yeah, I was, I, that's when I became like a big music freak. That's yeah. like, that's where all of that energy went. That's so good too, because you, it's, it's this, this thing that you can be really passionate about and kind of protective of, and also is like very emotive, right? Mm-hmm. So that you have this, I think that's it's sports is emotive in a very different way. Yeah. But like if you're a music person um, at that age, like I feel like you you can lean so heavily, especially if you feel alone. You yeah. can lean so heavily on that in a way that I don't know if you feel super alone. You're not. I don't know that like the Chicago Bulls winning gives you a sense of solidarity. Right. I'm Do you sure know it does. on that? De- if you ever listen to sports talk yeah, radio, no, those I, are I, those I, some know, alone people. You know? I just don't. Yeah. I, I, you know what? That's I'm totally. I think I'm just drawing conclusions based yeah, on my but own. It, feelings. It, you know, 
because when we see sports or when we go to a sporting event or when we're in a bar and sports are on or whatever, it's groups of people watching it. And it's very, it feels like a very together kind of sure. experience, but there are just as many weirdos. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sure. Um, anyway, uh, so coming out to my folks. Uh, so yeah, so they were I, like, uh, they were surprised. They, they were surprised. And, and for my mother, it was very much about like, well, who needs, like who needs sex anyway? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And not, not to be like, that sounds like I'm kind of, blown up my mom's spot a little bit but like but it's it's a very catholic thing to be like who cares if you're not getting what you want sexually you know what i mean like what's the point of sex anyway it's procreation that's all it is you know it's something for two married people to do together so like it it, like it boils down to like homosexuality boils down to your sexuality i mean it's many other things but like in it at its root is like who you want to be a partner with sexually Mm -hmm. you know many other things flow from that and whatever but that is the seed right so like if you if you have this fucked up catholic view of sex where it's like it's this totally unnecessary thing that you shouldn't that you it's okay if you enjoy it but like it's wrong to enjoy it too much or or it's 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 wrong to let your enthusiasm for it guide you somewhere absolutely or whatever um it, it yeah it just it was like a forced conversation about the role of sex in all of our lives that the I most was not uncomfortable thing you could ever talk about worst. with two Catholic parents. The worst, absolutely. Oof. And so, and it made me feel like, honestly, although we never had this conversation, it did make me feel bad because there, you know, there, I know that my mother, especially, is very conscious of what the neighbors think and, like, you know, whether people think she was a good mother or whatever. Like, there's a, you know, this is a, I think, a Midwestern and a Catholic thing of like. When you show up at mass, everybody's got to be dressed really nice because they reflect, you know, the kids reflect the mother and, you know, everyone's conscious of like what everyone else is thinking about them and how they come off and whatever. So like I felt very strongly like, although this was never said out loud, like my dick is going to make people feel, is going to make my mom look bad. I you know what I mean? I completely understand. You know what I mean? I mean and that's it's a, like that's a gross. great, horrible, great way of putting it. You know, it makes but sense. Like, it really yeah. makes sense. Yeah, like my like my out of control desire for like exactly what I need sexually is going to reflect poorly on my upbringing or on my like parents' parenting ability. And so, or, is there any way that you can just not? Why don't you ruin just not do everyone? that? Why don't you just not do that? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and it's like, and if you put it that way, yeah, it's very simple. You know, like if you if you are a generation more fucked up about sex and you can repress a lot harder, then yeah, you could probably do that. And I, and many millions of people have just been like, yeah, no, I just won't be gay. I'll just marry somebody and we'll just ignore each other for the rest of our lives. Right. I don't, you know, I, we're, we're a little bit more progressive now. We're like, we understand ourselves a little bit better now. So no, I don't want to do that. But definitely that was the gist of the conversation for a long time was mm. like, well, why don't you just not do it? I remember also, and this was, this was probably like two years after I came. I, I was like in New York at my desk working at my job, probably at least two years after I had come out to my parents. I got a call, and it was my mom, and just didn't even say hello. It was just like, I have an idea. How about a really masculine girl? Oh no! I swear to God. Oh, and I was wow. like, I don't. Wow. Why? Why? And uh, she said, well, I just thought that would be, you know, a good solution to the problem. And I said, well, there isn't. It's meeting you in the middle. Problem. Can you meet me in the middle? Can't you just Honey, meet me in the middle? Meet me in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Can't you have half a relationship with oh, some masculine God. girl? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and it was just like, oh boy, and like th- there might just be, you know, there, there's there might be a limit to how close we're going to get on this yeah, one. You yeah, yeah. So God, I, hung, I hung up the phone on my mother. <laughs> I can't. I mean, who who can blame you? But mm-hmm. that is a, that's an astonishing. That's an, an astonishing statement. thing. Um, but also, like, I think it reflects. You know, it's not just her fucked upness or whatever. Uh, I think it's just like a, it reflects a cultural fucked upness that she is a part of. Yeah. That like to me, it seems very easy to just be like, get over it, get the fuck over it, tell your friends. Like I, because I don't know that my parents have told their friends that I'm gay. I I think everybody knows. Um, but like there, there's a big part of me that's just like, why don't you, why don't you fucking tell people how to react to you? Yeah. Why don't you, you know, be proud of me and of yourselves? And like, if somebody doesn't. Somebody fucking whispers behind your back, fuck them. Like, that is very easy for me to say. It's easy for me now to say, um, but I think it's impossible for them to say. And it's yeah. it would be as fucked up to their ears as a really masculine girl is to mine. You know right. what I mean? It would sound that foreign. Right. You know? Well, that's. I think that's a really interesting, and I can't believe how fast the time has gone, because I do have, I do want to play MASH with you, because I'm very mm. excited. And I'm glad that we got into a little bit of the kind of, like, fun things that you were enthusiastic about, but I'm also yeah. very grateful that we spent so much time talking about being gay because I, yeah. I do think that that's like something that I, I, I just accidentally skipped over. Um, yeah, that's right. but, um, I'm here for you. Thank you. Uh, but what I want to, I wanted to kind of button this up in as much as it could ever be buttoned up and say <clears throat> that it is really hard to both be the person. Like, I think we all have a responsibility, especially you younger listeners who are a, a marvelous part of this new uprising of people speaking their minds and getting to talk about what they're passionate about and feeling more accepted and universally understood in some way because, because of the communities that exist online and offline. But, um, it's so hard to be fierce about that mm-hmm. and be compassionate for the people who came before you who don't know how to make that fit mm-hmm. and and what you just said really struck me this idea that like something that was just as offensive to your ears and your sensibility as like why can't you let me breathe in my skin as the person that i am mm-hmm. being as upsetting as what you said to them it yeah. is it's that it is that sort of tricky like how do you how do you move us forward but also be compassionate but i think those things are both so important to be married together when, when possible. Yeah. You know, cause it helps, it helps everybody. It helps everybody. If you can say like, I understand why you're a horrible bigot. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's the thing is like, you know, it's one thing that bothers me about the conversations that we're having right now. And, and like, you know, I, I, it's great that there's marriage equality and all that. But one thing that I think is kind of harmful is the idea that people who don't support it are just automatically bigots. I do think that they have, I, I do think they're wrong. I do think that their attitudes are, are wrong and need to like evolve or whatever. But I, but I do think that like most people mean well, they've just been led astray a little bit. So like you have to have some compassion. You have to like, you have to listen. And they're can not you access as much as possible. Sometimes you can't, but can you access it through that compassion and yeah. sort of let people are less defensive when you're being compassionate also, I right. think. Right. Oh, more open to the idea that maybe they're wrong if they're not. The thing that works fastest for like a right wing person is for you to come at them with guns blazing. Yeah. That's what I feel they understand. Right. They're like, great. You've given me the opportunity to become more cemented in my viewpoints because right. you're coming at me aggressively. Yeah. You're making me defensive because you're making me have to defend yeah. something like defend myself. Yeah. Like if you, yeah, if you call somebody a bigot or a racist or whatever, I mean, sometimes they just clearly like there are some people who are fucking bad and they're fucked and up listen, and they're I racist. I and like, I'm not saying that I'm Martin Luther King no. at all, but no. 
It's a hard. It's hard. That's why I right. brought it up. It's it's just hard. Do you ever listen to uh, Yo Is This Racist? Mm-mm. Oh, it's so good. It's a it's a really really good podcast where people call in with questions about like. I heard this the other day. Is that racist? And the answer mostly is yes. Please, but, I'm sure I've said a million things on this podcast, both with white and non-white. Right. Even saying that is probably racist. Listen, right. I, I, you, I'm sure I put my probably in have. all the time. You probably have. But it's like everybody, everybody does. Everybody is going to have that thing. So it's like to come at somebody and just be like, you are a racist is like oh, not necessarily always the best move. Like you sometimes have to sort of educate people. You have to like you know look at the thing and say like yeah that is a little bit racist and here's why and i get that you were you know i i i understand why I like it culturally became a thing that you chose or whatever but like it's wrong and it's not helping anybody so leave it aside you know yeah. like that's one way to do it another way is like you know you're a racist and i don't want to fucking talk to you and then that just doesn't that doesn't nothing comes from that that right. doesn't nothing grows from there um and then the, but then there are fucked up awful people who are racist and bigots and you should yell at them and you should never talk to them again. exactly exactly um but everybody's gonna fall short yeah right yeah have i made any sense at all oh my god absolutely i feel like, like when i talk about any of this stuff i always like in fact my therapist always is like did you know that you like 10 times this hour asked me if you made any sense and like literally every time I go and I know that it's a thing that I do and yet I still am like no, am I, I any think sense? you I think because, you yeah talking about some, this stuff some metaphors and some analogies that okay. for me um, are I find supremely helpful to okay, put good. into context about like I said not just that but other mm-hmm. things um, I am going to pause this so I can grab a pen and then we're going to play this game of mash to, uh, to round out the episode oh boy yeah all right, I've got my pen at the ready. I've there got my go. mash pad ready to go. I'm There's a specific start... mash pad? Well, yes, it's a very special oh, mash pad that was made for me. Was it really? Mm-hmm. How exciting. Um, okay, first category I will do is going to be um, if you could... You know what? I'm going to start with this. This has been a, this has been a kind of a good classic lately. Great. And it will definitely work for you. Okay. You can... Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach it this way, which I did recently. Uh, three bands or singer-songwriter that <clears throat> basically design the soundtrack to your life. So like oh, if you're shit. driving in your car, mm-hmm. it's not even, it doesn't even necessarily have to be music that there exists. It's just mm-hmm. like this person or these, this band would be oh, a I great see. soundtrack to your life. I see. Okay. Um, oh, wow. That's a good one. <laughs> so three, three bands. Yeah, so three. Um, huh. Oh, God. That's... Um, like from my youth or whatever you want. Okay. Anything. Um, right now I can't stop with the hold steady. I'm constantly, I am obsessed with the hold steady. Um, uh, REM and, um, Ben folds five. Awesome. Okay, great. Okay. Next one will be, uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Vacation home anywhere in the world. Oh boy, um, Spain, great Barcelona or Sigis, Spain, just Spain. You can just say Spain. <laughs> um, anywhere in the, uh, Nantucket, great. And um, let's say Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. I approve. Napa, California, of which just shook this morning. Well, they what? They had a uh, big earthquake this morning. Well, they did. Mm-hmm, they I haven't looked at anything news wise. Oh my gosh! Yeah. 
Oh, but everybody's yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Like R6, like R6ers don't really cause a whole lot down here. No, probably not. R6ers, um, I love it. R6ers, I've never said that in my life. Probably <laughs> never will again. Uh, okay, next one is um, you can jump into three movies. Ooh. And I don't mean like you're an actor. I mean those worlds are real. Oh. You're safe. Nothing bad's going to happen to mm-hmm. you. Okay. So don't base it on safety. Mm-hmm. Three. Uh, Metropolitan. First Witch oh, Stellman movie. It's God, I love that movie. Me too. Love it so I much. really, really enjoy Witch Stellman so much. Me too. God, that's so a much. great movie. In fact, I just rewatched Barcelona before going to Barcelona. Oh, I need um, to rewatch that. It's uh, Metropolitan is definitely much better. I got to watch Last Days of Disco again. Um, I just watched Last Days of Disco. Yeah. In fact, I would almost say Last Days of Disco over. No. Yeah, Last Days of Disco over Metropolitan. Really? But, yeah, okay. Yeah. Because that would be yeah. Similar group of people, but a little bit yep. older. I don't yep, want to hang yep, yep. college kids. Um, uh, Back to the Future. Love it. And um, uh, let's let's just say San Almost Fire. Oh. It's a terrible movie. Yeah. But it's just, it was a, a great time in history. And I want to see Rob Lowe play the saxophone. <laughs> I knew it. You know what I mean? I want to hang out with Demi Moore. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's an astonishing, that that movie um, I did not see. That was a movie that I didn't see until mm-hmm. I was older. Oh, it's awful. And I was like, because I saw everything else around that, but for some reason I missed that. Yeah. And I definitely was like, this is laughably amazing oh yeah oh it's amazing it's terrible oh my god in heaven okay uh, oh and that fucking booga 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 thing they do that's fucking oh, stupid yeah. nobody's <laughs> ever done that who's got time that takes forever that's so dumb yeah, i really hate that movie and there's yeah. and there's nobody more charmless to me than judd nelson yeah he's pretty charmless he's, god, he's i can't believe cole and i haven't riffed that on riff tracks we got to get on that probably oh, wow. do you have um, guests on that Hmm? Do you have guests on that? Oh my god, that'd be so fun! We should do the hell it, in the three on that. Of us. I just invited myself to your podcast. No, that's a great idea. Um, I'm gonna. I can need to make a note to myself on this magazine cover. Great, Cole, Sunset, Dave H, uh, Saint Almost Fire. That'd be really, really right. fun. We'll have to pitch that to the guys, to Mike totally. Nelson. Okay, um, okay. Next category is uh, you can mm-hmm. be in. Uh, Three, I need a list of three musicals Ooh. that you performed successfully in. Like, oh, you didn't see me as the star of Annie? Oh, uh, The Music Man, obviously. Oh, I know, it's the best. Um, it's the best It's really best. great. It's really, really great. Company. Great. And, um, uh, oh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. I love all of these choices because they are like the sort of smuggest, most clever, but also traditional. Mm-hmm. Like the, I like all three of them are kind of ahead of their time in mm-hmm. a way. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll, I will stay that I think the music man is the top of that list. Oh, it's the fucking best. Although company is my favorite all time. Amazing. I just love it. The, I just had this idea. I've never said this one before. Yeah. This it will probably not even be fun for you, but what if you were a magazine publisher? Three Ooh. magazines. I've never done it. Okay. I, that Brand used new. to be sort of my world in New York back in the day. I was oh, advertising, but I was a media guy, so whatever. Uh, and yeah, I wanted so badly to uh, work in a magazine. Um, three magazines that I could write for. And, it's, and I'm not talking about existing magazines. It could be. Oh, I see. Or you could be like, oh, you haven't read my, you didn't know that I have a magazine oh. about gardening, or you didn't oh, know that terrific. I have a magazine about um, loft spaces. Or... Oh, boy. Uh, well, Cook's Illustrated. Have you ever Love it. looked at Cook's Illustrated? Yes, it's gorgeous. It's the best. Um, food and wine. 
There's going to be this a theme here. This leads me here. to my next category. Everyone be, will know what I'm about to say after this category. Oh boy. Um, and uh, uh, and and my my own uh, magazine that I just started in my head two seconds ago. Yep. Where um, where we go fucking super deep into um, Saturday Night Live sketches from the 80s. Amazing. Uh, and Carol Burnett sketches from the 1970s. Amazing. And Kids in the Hall. Um, where it's just, we, it's a scholarly analysis of not even the good ones, just the fucking, the ones that are most of their time. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love this magazine. I subscribe oh, instantly. Oh, totally. It's, it's a good one. Okay, so this is one of my favorite categories. Uh, next one. Uh-huh. Three foods that you can have at the snap of a finger. Uh-huh. Um, immediate access. It can be as general as chocolate cupcakes. It can be as specific as there's this one sushi roll at this place that I was in in Tokyo, and mm-hmm. I wish I could. And I fantasize about it all the time. Three. Okay. Um, and uh, and okay. beverages, if you want, if you okay. Um, toasted raviolis. It's a St. Louis delicacy. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a deep fried, breaded and deep fried ravioli that you dip in a dipping sauce. Gorgeous. And they have them at every restaurant in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. Um, a um, what's a good one um you know i haven't had one of these in a million years because it would kill me but a uh a crispy cream a warm crispy cream donut sure um like a just out of the oven crispy cream donut and um uh you know a uh like a nice chicken paella gorgeous that's good you really represented some uh some salty and some sweet in that. Yeah, fantastic. You know, I'm I'm well rounded. Fantastic. Okay, next one will be uh, your romantic interest. Sure. Um, all due respect to. Are you married or you're just boyfriend? Just boyfriend. Boyfriend. Yeah. All due respect to your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a crush situation. It could be yeah. crushes from days of yore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be current crushes. Great. It could be even someone from like fiction or film. Like oh, this character, like gotcha. John Cusack's character in blah blah blah. Oh boy. Yeah. Three. Um. I, okay, you said John Cusack's character, and uh, John Cusack's character in The Sure Thing, Gib. Oh, God, Gib. I haven't seen that in so fucking long. I haven't seen it in a while, and it is. it was probably my favorite movie in high school. It was great. And I knew like all the words and I used to, I even would, I started having like movie parties for people that I loved, like John Cusack at like a Steve Martin night. I can't remember what else I had, but, um, and we watched the sure thing and a couple of other things. And I made everyone drink, um, their beer or their Coke (gasps) with the pen, the shock on them and had snowballs. Remember how they eat like Mm -hmm. weird pink froth, those coconut snowballs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I love that movie. I love Gib. I could still, if you put it on right now, I would, I know it's the I would best. quote every line from oh. start to finish. And I haven't seen it in 15 years, probably. That's a great character because he's, an, he's more of a smart ass uh-huh. than like say anything, John Cusack, yeah. you know, you like the smart ass, like mm-hmm. the smart ass with a heart of gold. Adorable. Yeah. Great yeah. choice. He's uh, he's got a lot of heart, yeah. you know, he wants to be a writer. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck uh, topping this. Good luck oh, topping. Gib. I know. I know. But I can, cause guess what? Mm-hmm. Um, James Wolk, who plays Bob Benson on Mad Men. That dude does things to me. Um, Wait, which one is that? He's uh, he was also on the Crazy Ones, the Robin Williams sitcom. I never saw it. Yeah, I didn't. Eat. Well, I watched one because yeah. of him, and I didn't Bob like it. Benson, Bob Benson. He's uh, he just came on in like season four. This guy who made a pass at uh, at uh, Pete. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. he's darling. He's gorgeous. He's darling. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, good um, one. Yeah, and uh, and let's uh, let's say a young G Love. Right. How about it? Let's absolutely do it. How about, a, how about a first album era, arched eyebrow, curly haired G Love? Great. He's he's one of my arched most eyebrow. enduring crushes. I still would hit it. It's great. 
like like still like he's <laughs> seventy years old. He's my age. He's age appropriate. Of course, I'm Okay, um, my final one is. I already did music. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I didn't cover from our conversation that I would want to ask about. Um, let's do let's do three superpowers. Oh boy. Okay. Well, flight obviously. Um, uh, the ability to quiet the parts of my brain that replay stupid things I've said or done. Love it. We can um, all and to do that, that in others. So like a like a, a brain quieter, a, a brain quieting power. Great. Which I would <laughs> do great. by just like that's how I would do it. I would just <laughs> like this. I'm wiggling my fingers at uh, at Janet. Yeah. And um, let's see. Uh, and I just had flight. Um, flight is so much though because you're you know. Um, I know. And. Uh, Oh, and uh, just the ability to like, well, no, that's kind of like flight. I was going to say like teleportation, but flight's kind of the same thing. I don't know, but that's different though, because flying still takes time and probably is exhausting in a way that teleportation isn't. So then teleportation. Great. Okay. All right. Tell me when to stop. Okay. Is this like a, Mm -hmm. like in the, over the course of a few minutes, it's going to happen. Should I tell you to stop like now? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to pause this, do this uh, calculation, come okay. back with your 100% guaranteed mash future. I can't wait. Yeah. <clears throat> hey. <clears throat> Get it out. Get it out. Listen, I just wanted to give as much throat clearing fanfare as possible for this. Great. Now, this is, this is an interesting one for me because I really? feel like with maybe only one exception, this almost seems like it's mine. Wow. <laughs> like all of the ones that I would have chosen of each category mm-hmm. kind of just happened to come true. So I feel like I'm personally benefiting from this, even though it's your mash future. Wow. Um, there are uh, several things I need to congratulate you on. Not oh, the least of which is your ability to... Jump right into Back to the Future. Uh huh. Okay. Which is cool because that basically means you also have the time traveling superpower. That's right. Yeah. In addition to that the brain kind of what I was quieting power. Oh, I do. I have that. Yeah. Good. Thank God. Good job. Thank so you God. can hang out with Doc and Marty, and when Doc gets all crazy hey. in his head, boom, soothing, boom, soothing. There go the fingers. There the go quieting fingers. fingers. There go your special fingers. Uh, I also want to congratulate you for your beautiful apartment in Napa. Ah, I would love an apartment in Napa. Take it. No lawn to maintain. That's right. No, no vineyard to upkeep. Nope. Uh, yeah, it's nice. I mean, there's plenty out. of space. It's oh, just, for certain. Uh, yeah, for certain. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I haven't seen that many apartments in Napa. Yeah. Whenever I hear an apartment, floor. I like to Good think view. of an apartment that's like above like a bakery or something like yes. in a quaint area yes. where then you get the smell of fresh bread. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've got it all figured Coffee. out. Or the smell of the chicken paella that you have oh, endless yum. access to. Endless access. Drop of a hat. Um, uh, I loved your performance in company. Oh, thank God. I thought you were so terrific. I'd love Bobby, to see you reprise that role as Bobby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you're not too busy, uh, running your food and wine magazine. Great. Great. Good job. Oh, Makes I love sense. food and wine. Out of your apartment in Napa. Oh, perfect. Don't mind if perfect. I do. Um, yeah. accompanied oh, so by much to do, so much the, to oh yes, yes. And, uh, and accompanied by, uh, the hold steady. Great. Coming up with album after album that just works for every element mm-hmm. of your life whenever mm-hmm. you need it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's literate. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's peppy. And it's going to support uh, the joy and adventures you're going to have in your relationship with 
Gib. Oh, good. Yeah, I know. See, that's the thing. Like, he's, I know. I, he's, he will need to be fed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's somebody who's like, he's not going to do it himself. He's no, not he's gonna not. Cook. He's not. But I have like so many recipes and so many good ideas just from living around the Napa Valley. Oh, yeah. You're and, like, not, yeah. Friends will come to call. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? And I won't have social anxiety w- before they come over because I'll just do this thing. Magic fingers. Myself. I know. I won't need to do it to Gib. He's a simple guy. Oh, no, no, you know no. I mean? Gib's, yeah, Gib's he easy. He gets it all out and never thinks about it again. He's no, you don't reflective. have this. It's a very simple, great, Mm-hmm. Wonderful relationship. God, what a good life. I know. What a life. You did it. You did a great job. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Oh, Janet. Dave. What a pleasure. Oh. It really was fun. I know. And it's such a great excuse for me to see you because I wish that hey. I saw you more. Well, you should come over and hang out. Oh, I'll come over. Yeah. Awkward. <laughs> There's one last thing that uh, I do need to ask you to participate in. Speaking of awkwardness, yes. which is that I have been finishing uh almost every and i feel ashamed that i missed one yeah almost every podcast episode of the boys of summer with a sung acapella snippet of don henley's boys of summer okay and i need to ask you to do that okay great. and i don't care if you remember it can be any snippet it can be the chorus i don't care if you know the okay. words properly i don't care just give me what you got um can i can i can i slowly snap a pencil and, and look out a window behind <laughs> like the little boy in the video can we just do that? Yes. Yeah, but nobody would see it. Nobody would hear it because uh, we don't have a pencil. Um, but I, but I could do. Out on the road today, I saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. Dee, a little dee, voice dee, inside dee, my dee, head dee, said, dee, dee, dee. "Don't look back. You can never look back." That's right. That's we right. did it. But well, we did look back. We I can know? look back. It turns out you absolutely can look back. Yeah, you can't look back. Never thought We just about spent that. a long time doing that. You're right. Yeah. And we did just great. Good old Don Henley. Good old, good old Don Henley. Has haven't Don gone Henley out to him for made the podcast. To a, to a mash? Uh, no, Don Henley's not on the podcast. No, but I mean, has he made it into and somebody's And he's made it into a mash. No, no one has. Uh, no? I think in people's real lives, they've had enough of Don I Henley. I think they've had plenty <laughs> of Don Henley and Glenn Fry. Well, he's really helped inform this summer. And uh, yeah. someone just wrote me and said that they heard the song on the radio and they were like, I didn't really have feelings about it one way or the other until this. But yeah. now I laugh thinking about... The various boys of summer of the JV Club podcast has taken on new meaning. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. Well, talk to you next time. And uh, thanks for listening. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.